Welcome to the last Rev Sarah Shares podcast for 2023, where we continue our theme of light in the darkness. You are very welcome here, and I do hope that you enjoy today's uh, offerings. We have scripture readings from Hazel, we have our opening thoughts from myself, and then a fuller reflection on our texts. So, let's look for how the light overcomes the darkness. Good morning and welcome to worship on this, the second Sunday of Advent, the 10th of December. And it's great to worship with you once again. I love the Christmas season, so I am standing with a Christmas tree behind me as our backdrop. It's a very tall tree, I would not be able to get it all in. And we've got our Advent ring for today. And it's a day where we think about the theme of peace and we're continuing to look at light in the darkness. I wonder if it's been a kind of week where you've wrapped up warm, enjoyed closing the curtains against the dark nights and just generally that sense of warmth you get from our lights, from uh, walking past our radiators and things like that. Um, there is something to be said about uh, shutting the night out. It is, as I said, our candle of peace today. And when we think about our world, peace, I doubt, is the first word that comes to mind. And it's not lost on the Christian community that we light the candle of peace, whilst the birthplace of Jesus is most certainly not at peace. Indeed, there are churches across the land who will not light the candle of peace today in solidarity with, particularly with the situation in Israel and Palestine, but also around the world. And I empathise with their choice and I support them in it. However, we have chosen to light our candle of peace because our theme is about light shining in the darkness. And I pray that the light of peace will shine into these times of war and conflict. So today we're going to explore one of my favourite verses, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus is the light of the world. And there's something really powerful about that metaphor of light and dark. And so we are going to use passages from scripture later to explore that. But I want to share something from the Epistle Lectionary reading for today. And it comes from 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. But we wait for what God has promised, new heavens and a new earth, where righteousness will be at home. And so, my friends, as you wait for that day, do your best to be pure and faultless in God's sight and to be at peace with him. We want peace in our world and peace in our faith. We're going to light our Advent wreath, the candle for hope and the candle for peace. And the text I want to share with you is this. Christ comes to fill us with peace. Christ does this not with military might and political prowess, but with his very presence in our lives. As Isaiah said, he is the Prince of Peace. Hazel is now going to lead us in our two scripture readings for today. Our Bible readings for today. The first one is taken from Isaiah chapter 40, verses 1 to 11. Comfort my people, says our God. Comfort them. Encourage the people of Jerusalem. Tell them they have suffered long enough and their sins are now forgiven. I have punished them in full for all their sins. A voice cries out. 
Prepare in the wilderness a road for the Lord. Clear the way in the desert for our God. Fill every valley, level every mountain. The hills will become a plain and the rough country will be made smooth. Then the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all people will see it. The Lord himself has promised this. A voice cries out, proclaim a message. What message shall I proclaim, I ask? Proclaim that all human beings are like grass. They last no longer than wildflowers. Grass withers and flowers fade when the Lord sends the wind blowing over them. People are no more enduring than grass. Yes, grass withers and flowers fade, but the word of our God endures forever. Jerusalem, go up on a high mountain and proclaim the good news. Call out with a loud voice, Zion, announce the good news. Speak out and do not be afraid. Tell the towns of Judah that their God is coming. The sovereign Lord is coming to rule with power, bringing with him the people he has rescued. He will take care of his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs together and carry them in his arms. He will gently lead their mothers. And now our second reading taken from the Gospel according to John. Reading from chapter 1, verses 1 to 9. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. From the very beginning, the Word was with God. Through him, God made all things. Not one thing in all creation was made without him. The Word was the source of life, and this life brought light to people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has never put it out. God sent his messenger, a man named John, who came to tell people about the light, so that all should hear the message and believe. He himself was not the light, he came to tell about the light. This was the real light. Amen and thanks be to God. Thank you to Hazel for sharing those scripture readings with us. Unfortunately, which was my fault and definitely not hers, she missed just a little bit on the end of that as, uh, the, on the end of the John text, and that was my fault. Uh, the last bit of that should have read, this was the real light, the light that comes into the world and shines on all the people. Amen. And this was followed by that beautiful carol, O Little Town of Bethlehem. And I deliberately picked that one for here and thank you to the Salvation Army for it. Because, well, it is anything but a peaceful place at this time. And so... These words are poignant and challenging as well as hope-filled. 
And so I wanted us to reflect a little bit more on the fact that light is more powerful than the darkness. Um, I used to love the dark when I was a child. I loved the mystery and the magic of it. As an adult, I don't think I'm quite so convinced anymore. But I wanted to start off by reminding you that I'm a runner. Now, I'm sure that you um, have completely forgotten because I haven't mentioned it for a few weeks now, but you may remember that not so long ago, I ran a marathon, only my second marathon, which at the tender age of 47 is actually not a bad achievement. But I am a runner, or at least I used to be, and uh, I'm sure I will be again. But I am a reluctant runner. And what I mean by that is that my head and my heart are constantly challenging one another, regularly at war with one another. My heart enjoys running in a sense, in the sense that I know that it's good for me, that it's good for my body, that it relaxes me, um, it can make me feel smug, yes, aha, smug or self-righteous, it can lift my mood, it can make me chirpy, it can clear the cobwebs, it can bring peace to the body, mind and soul. My mind, on the other hand, is a chatterbox and it moans and it mutters constantly at me. It either mutters that we could be doing something way more interesting than going for a run, that our time could be better, better spent, that we could complete all those things on the to-do list. Um, <clears throat> it often draws attention to the parts of my body that don't work quite so well. Um, perhaps it's the pain in my hips, maybe it's my calf muscles that are throbbing, maybe it's my arms. Um, trust me, as a runner, sometimes your arms can feel like a ton weight when you're running along. Um, occasionally, my mind even has a hissy fit and shuts down altogether and I suffer from brain fog, uh, which is genuinely a thing. And when it happens to you when you're running, it's surprisingly difficult to even be able to put one foot in front of the other. So when I read this passage from Isaiah, arguably I might see it a wee bit different to some of us. Fill every valley, level every mountain, the hills will become a plain and the rough country will be made smooth. Well folks, that's a runner's dream, especially when you're doing the Yorkshire Marathon. The text from Isaiah, is a challenging text and it's one of the lectionary texts for today. It's part of the John the Baptist story as well, that prepare ye the way of the Lord. And in the season of Advent, we are of course preparing the way for the Lord. Yes, for the baby born in a manger, but for us, the second coming. We are preparing the way for the Lord to return Yet, arguably, we are in a similar position to Isaiah. And the people of his time were resisting the call of the Lord on their lives. And arguably, in our world, we too resist the call of God on our lives. They preferred the route that they had planned for themselves. Their minds had convinced them that God was not for them not interested in them, out to cause them pain or hardship or even waste their time. In their hearts, they knew the opposite, but so often our mind readily overrules our heart. In the Isaiah passage, there is hope. 
And God wants to move them forward, to care for them and hold them tight. And the suffering of his people is acknowledged. And that's the thing, isn't it? We don't like acknowledging the suffering or what the darkness is made of. But when we don't follow the narrow path that Jesus speaks about, life often takes a darker turn, kind of like getting lost in the forest or going the wrong way on a, on a running route. It's small things at first, inconsequential even, and yet they build upon one another. Our language slips into negativity. Now, I'm not talking about swearing here, I'm talking about <clears throat> that cynicism or apathy that comes. Our actions become more selfish or destructive. Our relationships either become strained or withered. We slip away from prayer or reading scripture or really thinking about God. And we're kind of like, well, God won't mind. God forgives, you know, etc., etc. In a sense, we actually do punish ourselves and others. And we dress it up as, as thinking about uh, enjoying life in all its fullness when we know in our hearts it's not good for us until something happens that casts a light. One I've been very conscious of over these past few months is how we use alcohol as a crutch. Now, don't get me wrong, I do enjoy a glass of wine or two, and I am not in any way suggesting that Christians should not drink. And there are reasons uh, and lots of conversation we could have about that, but that's not what I mean. What I do want to focus on is that with all the stress that I have been going through these past few weeks, a number of people, Christians, well-meaning, with love in their hearts, who have told me to go home and have a glass of wine. I kid you not, I could genuinely be an alcoholic by now if I'd had one every time anybody told me to have one. And it's that accidentally well-meaning behaviour that can slip into destructive practices. The light cast across my path made me stop and think about how I use alcohol and whether it's for enjoyment or as a crutch. And I gave up alcohol for eight weeks, didn't take any. And actually, I do recommend it. But I wonder, what if, instead of saying to me or to another, go home and have a glass of wine, how about saying, I'll pray for you and I recommend you pray for you? And I know, you might think, oh, that sounds awfully religious. But why don't we resort to prayer more than we resort to comfort eating or drinking or whatever our crutch in life is? I know that as November hit my path, um, I, as November hit, sorry, my path got steadily darker, a bit like the nights that have been drawing in. And I know I'm not looking after me the way that I should. Remember, our bodies are temples for the Holy Spirit. So before we judge others as the people who are committing some great sin or walking in darkness, let's just kind of make sure we're looking at ourselves as much as we're looking, if not more, at ourselves than looking at others. We are all children of the light and our light might be dimmed, but it will never go out. 
But that's the great thing. And what I love about this Isaiah passage is that God is right there wanting to draw his people into himself. So whether we are at our lowest setting, whether the dimmer switch is almost turned right down, or we are shining bright, that we are full of Mary and Joseph level of faith, willing to do whatever God asks of us, even if it seems impossible, God loves us. And he doesn't leave us to wallow in our darkness. He comes with good news, good news to the poor. Blessed are the poor in heart. And it's that sense of not just financially poor, but spiritually poor that God and later on Jesus speaks about. When we look at the world and we see all that is going on, it's no wonder we feel that the world has become a very dark place. Just this week, a shooting in Nevada, the horrors in Gaza, images of men held prisoner wrapped just in their underwear, and on the other side, cruel stories of treatments to Israeli prisoners, the bombardments in the Ukraine, the desires of our own government to dismiss hard-fought for human rights so that they can spend a fortune shipping people off to another landmass, trying to make them somebody else's problem instead of finding a solution. The heartbreak of families facing poverty this Christmas, the businesses that are dying and the jobs that are being lost. And I could go on and I know you don't want me to, and it's that, Lord, we need light. And for me, that's what I really feel we need this Christmas. The light of Christ to shine so bright again from our churches, from our Christians, wherever and whoever you might be. That kind of light that pushes back the coldness of the dark and brings that hope, that peace, that joy, that love. Did I say it? The magic of Christmas. And so as Isaiah called out, as John the Baptist called out, prepare the way of the Lord. We are the ones called to prepare the way, to share the good news. Because if we don't, the only ones still doing it at the moment are our primary school children as they do their nativity. But it's a story out of context. It's just a story. We, we have to share the good news and we have to make it as easy as possible for people to see this light. We cannot hide it or protect it. We must share. And it's the flattening out of the judgments, it's ironing out the prejudice, it's simplifying the doctrine and the rules and the regulations, and it's telling the good news of hope, of peace, of joy, of love. The God that so many know of is so remote or so useless that they cannot see the light. But we know, we know that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot put it out. Otherwise, why are we even worshipping? Isaiah goes on to speak of a shepherd's image here, gathering in the people. The shepherd here is God who wants to gather us in, not shut us out. And in John's opening words, he immediately makes it clear that he is the messenger and not the light itself. 
And Isaiah knows it's not his role to gather in the people, but God's. But he has to prepare the way that they might know who the shepherd is. John knew he was not the light, but he knew he pointed the way to it. The Messiah. We are messengers, we are preparers, we are guides called to point the way to the light. To say that there is someone who wants to gather you in and hold you to protect you from the darkness that surrounds. Jesus is the light of the world and despite any evidence to the contrary, his light will never go out. Ours may flicker, but because our light is his light, it will never truly go out. But if you want your light to burn bright, and trust me, Jesus wants you to shine, perhaps think about how you might nurture your light so that others may see your light that reflects the glory of God and want what you have. For me, that's taking regular time to sit with God away from the busyness of the day. And it might just be 15 minutes quite often at the end of my lunch break, in the middle of the day. It might be, for me, going for a run and allowing my body time to heal and to be able to be healthy going into the new year. For you, I know, it could be going for a walk, appreciating the nature that surrounds. It could be sitting in a coffee shop, watching the people going by, and looking for God in the neighbourhood. It could be reading a book about a Christian role model who gives you hope, inspiration, sitting with scripture, wherever, whenever. There are so many ways and so many tools out there, so many apps you could access if you're internet and tech-wise. It could just be making a decision to look after your health and stopping some destructive behaviours. You see, when the heart rules the mind, I run, I pray, I am light. When the mind rules, I slip into selfish habits and I focus on work, I focus on tasks, I don't go out running, I comfort eat, whatever it is that kind of adds into that selfish nature. And I, and I know it's not as simple as heart and mind and a psychologist would have a field day and all that jazz, but stick with me for a moment on this metaphor, okay? My mind tells me to avoid the news. My heart tells me to watch the news. Avoidance or compassion. When I avoid the news, my prayers are functional. When I watch the news, my prayers are compassionate. That's just the best way that I can share with you what I mean by heart over mind or mind over heart. Jesus is the light of the world. Sometimes we have to look to see where his light is shining. The darkness cannot put it out. Light will always overcome darkness. So shine bright. And be the light someone else needs to show them that the babe in the manger is more than a lovely romantic story. 
As this is my last official Sunday sermon before Christmas, we will have a reflection on Christmas Eve, but Hazel's leading the morning one. I'm leading the Christmas Eve service. I just want to say, be light in someone's darkness. Pray first and have the glass of wine second if you need it. But go for God first. Spread the good news of Christ. Or as some are wont to say, keep Christ in Christmas. And remember, it was the shepherds who met the light of the world first. After Mary and Joseph, of course. Strange that. Amen. Thank you for joining with us again today. And it's been a joy to share this podcast with you over the last wee while. I am looking at how it might be reworked in the new year to benefit more people. So this is the last one for 2024. So please let me wish you a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And may you see and know God's light in your life, in your community, and see him in the wider world. God bless you and see you in 2024. Remember, we are still about and you can check us out on all our social media. Just spell Moncrief E-I to find us in all the usual places.